And right now I'm going to ask Van, our senior pastor, to come up and give the message. Morning, everyone. Hey, uh, I came into the, into the room a little bit late, but boy, it was exciting walking in here and seeing everybody and the energy and the worship that was happening. That's just an exciting thing. It's, uh, it's something to be thankful for, and it really should create expectation for each one of us. And my expectation today is that there's going to be breakthrough in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is going to free people of things. Holy Spirit's going to open our minds to things that we haven't seen before that are going to unlock things for us that are going to free us. And for some of us, there's going to be physical healing that's going to happen today. Uh, This is a day of breakthrough. And so just open your heart up right now for that. And let's just pray for that right now, okay? Father, uh, we are so thankful that you are good and that you love us so much. So Father, we just, uh, we worship you. We honor you. We invite you to do everything you want to do here today. Lord Jesus, uh, you're the king and we're part of your kingdom and we want to submit our lives to you. And Holy Spirit, you are God present with us. We honor you. We know that so often you're overlooked, uh, but we honor you. We, we lift up your name and we, we welcome your presence here. So Holy Spirit, just reveal your presence here in a profound and powerful way today. Teach us, make us like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I'm gonna start off with just one simple joke today, okay? So there was, seems there's this boy that was kind of an ornery kid. Um, I'm guessing this was somewhere in a southern state and uh, back in the 40s maybe. And um, he just, he liked to just do ornery things. And so one day he went out and he was headed to the school bus. I think there were buses back then, but um, yeah, there were, I'm sure. Um, As he's running the school bus, he just ran over and tipped the outhouse over. Was something he liked to do once in a while, just as a joke. He runs and gets on the school bus, goes to school. And when he came back that night, his dad was standing out in the front yard and he had a switch broken out of the tree. And he says to his son, did you tip the outhouse over on your way to the bus this morning? And the boy's pretty quick thinking. He says, yes, father. And just like George Washington, or he said, father, just like George Washington, I cannot tell a lie. Yes, I tipped over the outhouse. And the kid's thinking, well, because I was honest, I'm going to get away with this. And so the dad says, well, son, I'm going to have to give you a whipping for that. And the boy says to him, but dad, George Washington's father didn't whip him because he was honest about it. And the dad says, yeah, but there's a difference here, son. He said, George Washington's dad wasn't in that tree when he chopped it down. All right, I'm not advocating whipping kids or hitting them with sticks like that, so don't, don't write me any emails about that, please. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> we started this series in uh, December, uh, right before Christmas, and we, we're just calling it Kingdom. And the first message was called uh, The Gospel of the Kingdom, The Good News of the Kingdom. And then we had a message on kingdom joy and how it is that, you know, in this world, joy is, is, there are forces that are trying to rob us of our joy. 
And we have to learn how to return to joy, how to walk in the joy of Jesus. So that's what that whole message was about, kingdom joy. Now, we're going to carry the series on into January. Uh, we, we had a Christmas Eve message about the kingdom, and then uh, a message last week on kingdom character. Because if you were here, you know that we had a really powerful prophetic word delivered to the church about the things God wants to do in this church and through this church in 2017. And so the message that I chose to give that day was focused on kingdom character because it it takes character to steward a move of God. You know, when the Holy Spirit is working in a profound way, it isn't just something we get to sit back and enjoy the ride. We have to steward it. We have to, we have to work with what God wants to do. And so kingdom character is really essential to that. And, and, and really, just to back up a step and say, well, the kingdom, what is the good news of the kingdom? And when, when you hear the word kingdom, we need to recognize that we're talking about a king. And we're talking about Jesus that he came to be the savior of the world. He did come to, so we could be forgiven of our sins and go to heaven when we die. Glad for that? How many? I'm glad for that. But that wasn't the main point. That wasn't the main thing he came to do. Going to heaven is like the final destination, but it's not like the, the, the main purpose. The main purpose for Jesus to come was to reestablish God's kingdom on this earth. What Adam and Eve gave away when they chose to trust God's enemy rather than trust God. When that happened, they, they brought sin and brokenness into the world, and it really stopped the advance of the kingdom. There was the establishment of a counter kingdom at that moment, a kingdom of darkness. And Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom. Now, to do that, he paid for sin. And, and that's, that's where we get that thought that, that, we, that he came to forgive us. He paid for sin, but he defeated sin. And he defeated the enemy when he died on the cross. And he rose from the dead with all the kingdom authority to reestablish everything God wanted on this earth. See, Jesus told us that we're supposed to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the kingdom of God. And so you and I, as followers of Jesus, see, when Jesus went back to heaven, he didn't take the kingdom with him. He came here and and he preached, the kingdom of God's here, and then he healed the sick, he raised the dead, and he freed the demonized. And then, then he gave his followers the same authority and power and said, you guys go out now and do it. Then he gave a larger group, 70, first 12, then 70. You guys have authority and power. Now you go out and do it. And then Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead so he could give that authority to all of us. When he went back to heaven, he didn't take the kingdom with him. Okay? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't take kingdom authority back to heaven with him. He left it here with us. And so you and I now have kingdom authority, and we get to operate in kingdom power to advance the purpose of the kingdom in this world. That's why we're here. That's why Jesus came. That's your purpose for life. That's my purpose for life. That's why this church is here, to advance the kingdom of God so that more and more people come into relationship with God and under the authority and life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so that's, that's the whole thing with the kingdom. Now, t- 
Today, what we're going to talk about is kingdom leadership and leadership in the kingdom and how leaders impact and advance the kingdom of God. Now, the main point I want to make with you is this. Here's the thing I want you to go away with today. And that, that is this. It's real simple, and um, it, yet it's something that is going to take some rethinking for some of us to grasp. Leadership is influence. That's what leadership is. It's the ability to influence others, to in, influence the trajectory of their lives. Everybody has influence. All of us have influence, therefore, all of us are leaders. Now, there is the gift of leadership. And thank God for people that have the gift of leadership. But all of us are leaders. And it's like this. We've talked about prophecy. We had a whole series on prophetic ministry in the fall. And we said that there are people who are gifted as prophets. And what that means is that their main, their main ministry is hearing God, is seeing visions, it's having dreams, interpreting them and delivering them to other people. That's their main ministry. But we also saw that we are also all called by God to operate in prophetic type ministry. And so I might not be a prophet as my primary gifting, but I am to prophesy. And the same thing is true in leadership. There are people that are gifted in leadership. Nevertheless, we're all leaders. And we all need to grow as leaders. And this is something I believe that God has for our time, for this season in our culture. But I believe it's something that's particularly relevant to us as a church this year. That we all recognize this. I have influence. You have influence. I need to grow in my ability to influence. And I need to maximize my ability to influence. It might not be my lead gift, but nevertheless, I am a leader. And I need to maximize. I need to grow in my ability to influence. Now, today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture from the Old Testament. And really one of my favorite passages but the, the overall context of this historically would be this, that we are at a point in God's plan for redemption, and he has established a nation of Israel, and that is part of his, the plan of redemption, because he wants to have a context into which he can send his son, the Messiah. And if he had just sent Jesus into any culture in the world, I mean, he, he could have done that, but he wanted to validate that Jesus was perfect and sinless. And so Father God calls this nation Israel, and he calls them to be a nation, and he gives them a revelation of himself that goes beyond what, what is just normally experienced, but a clear revelation of himself in his word. He gives them actually written word revelation of who he is. And he gives them revelation of what righteousness is. And you know, righteousness, all that means is what we were created to be like. That's all that means. Rightness. Rightness. So if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned, what would they have been like? Well, that's righteousness. And so he reveals righteousness through his law and through his word as part of the foundational fabric of the nation of Israel. Now, none of them ever lived up to it, but it was there as the standard. They understood that. 
so that when Jesus would come into that culture, people would be able to look at him and they would be able to say, hey, look at this. Look at, you're the one that actually is doing this. You're the only person that has ever actually obeyed this, who has ever actually lived righteously. Does that make sense? Okay, so this nation of Israel is really important to God's plan. And he's just getting it established at this point we're going to look at in 1 Samuel 14. He's just getting the nation established. They have their first king, a man named Saul, and he is appointed king. And uh, Saul was uh, a man who had great potential, but he had some great flaws, some real deep character flaws. Saul was incredibly insecure, and, and did not have any real concept of what it meant for him to be in relationship with the living God in a way that changes who he is. And so Saul made decision after decision after decision out of fear and anxiety and insecurity that he was going to lose power, that he was going to be a failure. And now Saul's not the only leader that has been insecure, all right? Uh, he's not the only leader who started, well, when they first appointed Saul, he went and hid. When they wanted to anoint him king, it says he hid among the baggage. And so there, apparently there were some wagons of um, supplies and stuff, and he went and hid. But there are other leaders who had that same response to God, like Moses. When God called Moses, Moses said, God, I, you know, I, I can't do this. I can't even speak right. God says, Moses, don't worry about that. Do you know why? Because I'm going to be with you. And Jeremiah, when God called Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, I'm just a child. I can't do this. And God says, Jeremiah, don't say you're just a child. Don't say I'm just. Don't say I'm unfit because I'm going to be with you. You see, both of them understood that even though they had some insecurities, God was going to be with them, and his presence covered their heart of insecurities and enabled them to move ahead as successful leaders in spite of their insecurities. Well, you see, Saul didn't have that covering. Saul didn't have the other side of the equation of, he knew, I'm king, I've got power, but he didn't have this other side of things that said, well, God's my strength. He didn't have that side of it that says, God is the one who covers my weakness so I can lead effectively. And so he just made mistake after mistake after mistake. Fortunately, uh, Saul's son, Jonathan, was not insecure. And how's that? I mean, how do you, how do you grow up in the house of a king father who is so insecure and yet and doesn't really have a good concept of who God is, and yet you grow up secure knowing who God is. How's that happen? I don't know, but I know this. It tells me this. If there's anybody here that you think your life is cursed because of the way your parents were, or if you think that you are, well, you're just following in your parents' footsteps, you know, this is what happened to my dad, and this is what's happening to me, you don't have to submit to that, okay? You, that, that is not a principle that, you, that, that is controlling your life, you can be free of the weaknesses of your parents, okay? And for some of you here, I think as, as guys, I'm gonna speak to some of the guys right now, and say, if you have been locked into the thinking that your, your dad was an alcoholic, therefore you're hopeless, you're gonna fall into the same thing. Or if, if you're a woman and you, you think of your, your mother was controlling or 
or some other, and you think, well, I guess I'm just doomed to be that type of person too. That's not true. You can be free from that. You do not have to submit to the failures and the weaknesses of previous generations. Jesus takes care of all of that, okay? At the cross, that was all broken, and you can be free. You can live in freedom. Now, Jonathan did that even before the cross, and so if, if, if that's the case, then how much more today now that Jesus has poured out the presence of the Holy Spirit on us along and along with the Holy Spirit, kingdom authority and power to live changed lives. And so uh, what we're going to see here is a situation where uh, the, the army of Israel is in battle array facing the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were a neighboring nation that were, it was a really wicked nation, and they were a warrior nation, and they had uh, subdued Israel, and they were, uh, they were persecuting them. They wouldn't let them prosper. They would take their crops away from them. They didn't even allow them to have blacksmiths anywhere in Israel because they knew if they have blacksmiths, they can make weapons, and if they can make weapons, they can fight back, and if they fight back, then we'll lose our, 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 our um, you know, everything we're getting from them. And so Saul's army is out in the field, and the Philistine army is arrayed, you know, a mile or a couple miles away in another place. And Saul is afraid, and he won't, he won't attack. He won't press the attack. Now, at that point in time, he had, he had really good reason to be afraid. It was, there were only two of them in the whole army, Saul and Jonathan, that had swords. So I guess, you know, that's a good reason to be afraid. But... He, he was immobilized by fear, and he wouldn't do anything. Now, Jonathan, his son, was a man who did know who God was, and he did have confidence in God, and he couldn't sit back and see nothing happen. And so we're going to read through this story and, and, and see how God uh, gives them great victory through Jonathan. But one thing I want to back up and say is this. We're all in warfare, all right? When you accept Jesus, you're not just entering into this nice cushy life where you get to go to heaven when you die, and between now and then everything's going to be nice and sweet and happy. No, you did enter the family of God. That's a wonderful thing. And there is peace and there is joy in this life, but it is a battle. You entered into a war when you accepted Jesus. You didn't know it, but you're already in a war. You were just on the other side. But now when you come to Jesus, then there, there is this kingdom of darkness in the world that is opposing the advance of God's kingdom. And so for every one of us that know Jesus, whether we know it or not, we signed up for God's army when we received Jesus. And so the, the battle is real. But here's the thing. The battle is never against people. The Bible says we do not wage war against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6. But our battles are against principalities and powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly realms, in the heavenly places. Now, in this context of Israel, God's establishing them as a nation, and there is an enemy nation that is trying to wipe them out in order to stop the plan of God. They didn't know that, but that would, the demonic powers behind them knew that. And so there's this whole demonic scheme happening behind the scenes, leading the Philistines and other neighboring nations trying to destroy Israel. And so it's a literal war in this case. But for you and for me, 
it's never people. People are never the enemy. Even if someone's gossiping about you, they're not your enemy. You know that? And, and, and the only way to have healthy relationships is to realize that so that I don't treat them like the enemy. But at any rate, as we look at this passage, we're going to look at some uh, leadership principles as we go through it and just want to read through what happens here and draw some principles out. And the first one is this, kingdom leaders challenge the status quo. All right, they challenge the status quo. And to live with the status quo is intolerable for a kingdom leader because the kingdom leader has vision to see what could be. The kingdom leader has an attachment to God's heart and knows what God longs to see happen, what God longs to have happen. And so here we read this in uh, the very first couple of verses of uh, 1 Samuel 14. He says, one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his armor bearer, come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Now, on each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. He adds that because later, when they actually do this, you get some picture of how dangerous this mission was. But Jonathan, is, he, 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 he submitted to his father. He submitted to the leadership. He doesn't go and try to stir other commanders in the army to overthrow Saul and let's get this battle moving. He doesn't try to bring troop, troops with him. He's just going to do it himself. And, and so he's not like an insurrectionist. Okay, so when we hear status quo, let's upset the status quo, sometimes we think, well, insurrection. Well, that's not what he's doing at all. But he's not accepting the status quo either. He's going to go out and do something about it. And just, he knows enough to know that all it takes is Jonathan and his armor bearer to do this. And so they go out in this unorthodox approach to things. And, um, and what we see next is he, uh, kingdom leaders inspire with vision. So here's what Jonathan does. Jonathan says to his young armor bearer, he's already said to him, let's go do this. And, and now he takes him deeper into the picture of what they want to do. And, and this is something Jesus did. He didn't start off with Peter, James, and John and say, follow me, and I will send you to the uttermost parts of the earth, and you will teach, you will convert the whole world and teach the whole world who I am. He didn't start off with that. He started off with them just hanging out with him for a year, just following him for a year. And at the end of that year, then he went to them and he says, okay, it's time to leave your nets. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay, that's a step. But then he opens up the vision more and more as they go along. And so really that's what Jonathan does here. At first he says, let's go do something. And then he says, okay, let's do this. And so Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So here's the results. Here's what the armor bearer says do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you, heart and soul. Man, everybody wants to follow a Jonathan. Everybody, everybody wants to find some mission that is bigger than life, that is risky, that, that has meaning that goes beyond anything that I, that I experience just in the mundane efforts to stay alive every day. 
Everybody wants that. And when Jonathan shares this vision with his young guy, this young man, he just lights up and he's ready to go. But I want to show you this. Jonathan respected this guy. This man's younger than him, but Jonathan didn't, didn't just take the approach of, well, you're the young guy. You just be quiet and follow me. I'll tell you when I need you. No, he shares the vision with him out of respect for him. And, and leaders respect people. And, and the, the vision is so big, the challenge is so big that it's only God that can bring it about. But you notice this, it's for God's people, it's not for Jonathan. It's not like, hey, I'm bored, let's do something really exciting. Let's go start a fight because we're bored, we can't sit here any longer. No, he, he ta- he, it says here that maybe the Lord will bless us. And, and so he's recognizing that it is the Lord's work that they're doing. And so he's stepping out into something here and he invites this uh, young guy to go with him and, and, he's well, and he's just excited to go. And here's the thing, Jonathan again knew who he was. Jonathan could say, yeah, I'm a son of the king, I'm a warrior, but more than that, I'm a child of God. I am a child of the living God. And this living God works on behalf of people who follow him and that's what we're counting on. Because we're going to go out and do this, and we're, we're just counting on God to do something. You know, it's interesting. There's no place in this, in this story that it says God told him what to do. There's no place in this story where it says he went off and prayed, and uh, an angel came and said, here's the battle plan. Go stand and holler up at these guys up over. The-. No, nothing like that. And there are times that we sit back waiting, thinking, well, if God would just tell me what to do, I would do it. And God's saying, hey, I told you what to do. Didn't you read my book? You know, we walk into a grocery store and we say, well, God, if you want me to talk to anybody, show me, point them out to me. Have them have a halo around their head. (laughs) And God's saying, whoa, wait a second. Didn't I already tell you to go into all the world and win people? And so... So do, go, move, move, walk across the room, start talking to somebody and see what God does. That's what Jonathan's doing. He knows that he's operating within the framework of God's heart. And so he's just saying, all right, let's go for it. And so often when we do that, when we recognize we're operating within the framework of God's heart, yeah, boy, God hasn't spoken to me specifically as to what to do, so let's do this. Let's just go here, let's start, the, and when we're moving, you know, then God refines the plan, or God just says, man, I like, I love it when my kids take risks trusting in me. I love that, and he says to an angel standing beside the throne, get down there and make sure he's successful. Bless that, pour blessing and grace out on that, because I love it when my kids trust me. And I think that's what's happening here. Jonathan's just going for it, and, and so, he, th- this heart of his inspires vision in the younger guy. And here we see this kingdom leaders have a plan. So uh, this idea, you got to do something. Uh, and I think that's where Jonathan's at right now. Hey, we got to do something. Let's go. Let's do it. And here, here's what we read. Here's his plan. Jonathan said, come on then. We'll cross over toward, toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, wait there until we come to you, We'll stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, we'll climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. All right, now what a great plan Jonathan has. 
let's just go show ourselves to the enemy. There are probably a hundred of them up there at the top of the hill or so. And let's just show ourselves to them, these hardened warriors, and we'll see what they say. I mean, a, a much better plan, I think, would have been, let's scout this thing out. Let's sneak down and let's see where their weaknesses are. And then if we think we can do something, we will. If not, we'll just sneak back to camp and report back in. But, I mean, this is not a good plan, folks. Okay, does anybody agree with me on that? I'm not excited about this as a plan. But how many times have we done nothing because we felt like we didn't have a perfect plan? How many times have we, how many, anybody, okay. I want to word this carefully. But anybody here ever on a church board? Anybody? Come on. Okay, several of you. Have you not sat in meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting before you could finally make a decision? And by the time you make a decision, the, the decision point is three months past and it doesn't do any good anyway. I mean, there are, and, and how many in our own personal lives haven't done that? Just out of fear of making a mistake, fear of doing something wrong or doing something that is less than perfect. You know, we hold back and we don't do anything. And here, Jonathan, he's just saying, all right, here's the plan. Let's go for it. Let's see what God does. And so um, I, I really admire that type of courage and boldness and the personal security to, to voice a plan that is less than stellar and not be afraid to do that. Just to say, all right, here's the plan. This is what we're going to do. If God's on it, it's going to succeed. He's going to bless it. So you look on, and next thing we see is opposition and how Jonathan responds to opposition because kingdom leaders see opposition as a positive thing. They don't, they don't shrink back from opposition. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. And it's true. The, Israeli, the, the Hebrew army, is they've all fled. They're hiding out in caves. And, and then the, the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Okay, this is where we see who he's fighting for. Not his own glory, but for Israel. And so the, the, the sign that they were looking for, they got. And, but, but listen, this is still not a good plan. <laughs> and, and if you look at it, really all he said was, if they say stay there, we'll stay here. If they say come up, we'll come up. He never mentions an exit plan even. He never says, well, if they say stay there, then we'll, we'll slip away. You know, as they're climbing down the rocks, we'll climb up the other side, get out of here. No, uh, this, they're all in. And so they're climbing up the hill now. And this great plan has Jonathan climbing up the hill, which the next passage tells us they had to use their hands, you know, climbing. You know, it's so steep that they had to use their hands. Have you ever climbed a hill where it's so steep you have to use your hands? Man, do you get the, I mean, I'm sure he was in better shape than I am, but if I did that, by the time I got to the top of the hill, I'd need a half hour to rest before I could do anything else. And, and besides that, who wants to be the first guy that pokes his head up over the top of the hill? Uh, so, so, but Jonathan, man, he just makes this declaration, they are ours. 
There's, there's victory here because he knows God's with them and God's going to prosper them and bless them. Um, you know, this verse was written many, many years after Jonathan said this, but Romans 8.32 says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Okay, if God is for us, who can be against us? Let's all say that together, all right? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, if God is for us, who can be against us? Now I want you to say it, if God is for me, who can be against me, okay? If God is for me, who can be against me? Again, if God is for me, who can be against me? Jonathan understood that. And so um, they, they're, they're ready to go now. And uh, he leads the way. That's, that's this next point. Kingdom leaders model the way. If I was him, you know what I'd be saying? I'd be saying, you know, I'm the king's son. I'm pretty important. You're the armor bearer. You go first. <laughs> and once they take a couple of whacks at you, I'll sneak around behind them and get them. But no, that's not Jonathan. He, he, he goes first. Leaders lead the way. So Jonathan climbed up using his hands and his feet and his armor bearer right behind him, right behind him, right there. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about half an acre. This was a ferocious fight, a ferocious battle, great victory, and great risk leads to great victory. Great risk with, with a good heart for the kingdom leads to great victory. And so Jonathan and his armor bearer now have won this victory, and, and Jonathan led the way. Uh, I was reading um, some time ago about a general in, uh, on D-Day that led his troops across the beach. And so I looked that up this weekend and read the story. What actually happened, it was actually Teddy Roosevelt Jr., and he was a brigadier general, and he had petitioned uh, his superiors to allow him to go in on the first landing craft onto the beach. And they said, generals don't do that. No, you can't do that. You're a general. You, you're, you're, you're staying behind. So he petitions them again. They say no. And the third time, they said, okay, go. So he's in the first landing craft, the first wave that hits the beach. And his, um, his unit, his troops were all pinned down. They could not get off the beach. No matter what they tried, guys are getting killed left and right. And this guy, Teddy Roosevelt, the general, he says, follow me. And he takes a group of them that he had collected, and he charges up across the beach under a hail of gunfire and gets all these guys across the beach over the seawall and to, to safety and to a position where they can do some damage to the enemy. All right, so then what next? Looks back to the troops and says, okay, you guys come next. No, he goes back himself and brings another group over and then did that repeatedly until he had his whole unit over that wall and got the Medal of Honor for it. But leaders lead. Leaders don't just say and point. They get out front and lead. And so... Uh, that's just one of the principles of kingdom leadership. And when you see what Jonathan did, then that should challenge us all. Because how many leaders are in this room? Come on, put your hand up. Everybody, put your hand up. 
You're an influencer, okay? You have influence. You need to grow in that influence. God's calling us all as a church body to grow in our leadership ability to influence others. And so when, when we do that, there's just incredible things we get to see. So it unleashes uh, kingdom leaders' impact beyond expectations, and so it unleashes kingdom power. What we see is then in uh, the next verse, 15, then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. Saul's lookouts at Gibeah and Benjamin saw the army melting away in all directions. So there is a kingdom of God breakthrough that occurs because of their boldness, because they're saying God is good, this fits within the the heart of God and the plan of God, we're going to go for it, and God blessed what they were doing. And, And there's this breakthrough now that all across the battlefield, people that don't even have any idea what happened in this little skirmish... They don't know about it, but miles away, they're, they're terrified because God sent a panic. But I think that panic wasn't just God directly putting panic in the hearts of all these Philistines. I think part of the panic was that the demonic forces behind them knew they had lost. They knew what had happened in that skirmish. They knew that the kingdom of God was breaking through right now. And so all across the battlefield, they're experiencing the fear of the demonic forces that are behind them. And, and so God creates this incredible moment of victory, and then finally, it, it, it inspires a culture of boldness. And all of these troops that have been hiding out, that have been fearful, they come out now, and they, they all join the fight. They all join the battle. And, and they're running ahead, and they're saying, come on, come on, let's go, God's working. And what were the ones, they, they were leading, They were leading, and now they're all leading the way and charging into battle, and it's a great victory for God that day. So I hold this out to us as a church. Leadership, us all growing as leaders, and each one of us, I mean, I'm never gonna find out what level of leadership I can rise to unless I develop the leadership abilities that that I have. And so that's going to be the call this year for all of us to develop the leadership abilities that God's put in us. And we're going to see God do some powerful and great things in and through this church as we do that. But right now, what I want to do is honor someone that's a leader and that is taking a bold step, a bold move. Uh, If you've been here, you know that a young woman named Janae Turley is headed to the Central African Republic. Um, She is uh, going there soon, her departure date. I think she's leaving this week, in fact. And we're going to have Janae up here to pray for her and commission her uh, as, as, as being sent out by our church body. We are her sending church. Uh, We support her financially from the general fund budget that we have, and many of you have agreed to support her personally as well, and I commend you for that, and I encourage more of you to consider that. But um, Janae, for the last two years, has been serving here in house group leadership. Uh, She's been discipling uh, other young women, been part of the worship ministry and team. She's a young woman of the highest quality and character. I I, I thought of this earlier, but... Um, if you're a mother here and you have a son in his 20s who's unmarried, <laughs> Janae's the kind of girl you've been praying for, Mom. Okay? She is. 
Jay, would you come on up here and uh, Wilson's going to come up and Wilson's one of our staff pastors and uh, works with the young adult ministry house group. And so we're going we're gonna to pray over Renee, or, uh, Janae right now. And she's going to the Central African Republic. She's going to be there for two and a half years. And she's with AIM, which is Africa Inland Mission. Just a fantastic organization known about and been associated with uh, for 40 years. And um, she's going to be working with one tribe that is 99.8% Muslim. And the other tribe is syncretistic, which means they just take a bunch of different religions and mix them. So they have Islam, Christianity, and witchcraft all kind of like blended together. So that's a challenge. (laughs) But uh, God's going to use you, Janae, to break through those things, just like Jonathan. You're going to walk in courage, and you're going to have boldness and insight. And just like when Jonathan stepped out, you're going to have times where you step out, and the the kingdom of God's going to break in. You're going to see great things. So, Will, you have anything you want to share with Janae and then pray? Yeah. So also this is Anthony. He's Anthony, a yeah. house group leader. And is, um, I just want to say this about Janae, that everything she's going to do, like the, everything she's about that she's going to do as a missionary, she has been about here in the States. She's like one of the most faithful people I've ever been in ministry with to like be on time do what she says she's going to do, faithfully serve, selflessly serve. So uh, that's just amazing. I'm so thankful for that. But yeah, just you guys want to extend your hands towards her with me. We're just going to pray for her and bless her. And uh, Anthony and I will pray for you. So Jesus, we just thank you so much for Janae. We welcome your presence to come and rest on her right now. To come, Holy Spirit. A fresh filling, a fresh baptism of your presence right now for this uh, mission she's embarking on we just bless her and we bless her faith and her courage thank you for that and i said this i feel like god is uh, calling you to be a jonathan and although there's going to be leaders ahead of you and you're not like the team leader there i feel like god's saying that you're supposed to be one of those people that takes risks and that's constantly saying hey we need to go for it we need to take risks and not to feel like um you're a broken record or anything so we bless you to be a risk taker Thank you. Um, I also just feel like God's saying that the first year there's going to be a lot of a lot of stuff that happens, but it's all maybe things that feel like random, different directions, maybe even feel bad. But a lot of it is going to be fruit is going to come from it in the second year. So we just pray for endurance for you and a fresh feeling of God's presence. Do you have anything, Anthony? Do you have anything, Anthony? Yeah. So. Uh... I really feel like um, just right now in your quiet time, Jesus is going to speak to you a lot, like in uh, songwriting specifically. So Jesus, I thank you so much just for speaking to Janae and just that her quiet times are just going to be amazing with you, even though they're amazing now. I ask that you double that. And um, I just pray for just even more boldness. And I thank you just so much for the leadership part that Janae has. And I ask that that in those times in Africa where she feels lonely, that you remind her that she's a whole church supporting her and that we're thinking of her and we're praying for her. So thank you so much for Janae and amen. Amen. I'll just say this too, that everything that's been happening here, we release to you to carry and take with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. That's right, right. Amen. So Janae, we commission you, we ordain you for this ministry. Go in the power and presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.